for many people, being active and sticking to a regular exercise schedule is not part of their daily routine. However, once diagnosed with osteoporosis, exercise needs to become a habit. But many people are unsure where to begin, especially if they're worried about breaking a bone. I'm your host, Krista Lamb, and today on Unbreakable, the OC podcast from Osteoporosis Canada, I'll be talking to Dr. Laura Jean Gregorio, who is a professor in the Kinesiology and Health Services Department at the University of Waterloo. We'll be chatting about starting an exercise habit. Welcome to this show, Dr. John Gregorio. It is so nice to have you here today. Thanks so much for having me. So let's start with talking about exercise, which is a really fun topic that we've had on the show a few times. So I'm very excited to hear about how we can start an exercise habit So what are some of the exercises that are important for bone health? To prevent fractures, we want to prevent falls. So falls are one of the most common causes of fractures. So as a starting point, we want to do the types of exercises that will prevent falls. So everybody should be doing some form of balance training. And that just means doing things that challenge your balance. So for some people, you know, standing on one foot is really challenging. So that could be a good starting point for them. For most people, I would say we want to incorporate some form of dynamic balance training, which means you're moving around in space. And there are different types of balance training. We want to do things where you are shifting your weight to your limits of stability. So like ones where you're reaching or moving around in space. And other ones are where you're having to shift your body to accommodate possible instability. So if you think about when you go to climb up stairs, when you lift one foot, you shift your weight to your other foot, right? So you could even start by kind of standing at a staircase, lifting your foot, tapping it on the top of the staircase, tapping it back down. So if if that feels unstable to you, then that would be a good thing to practice. So it's thinking about exercises that challenge your balance. People who have good balance might need more challenging exercises. So they might need to use like an agility ladder or do complicated dance moves or, you know, walking in tandem. So you're walking heel to toe. So just finding exercises that challenge your balance. You want to work on your balance so that you maintain good balance and you're less likely to fall. The other type of balance we want to work on is our reactive balance. So things like, you know, when someone bumps into you, you're able to react and restabilize. So trying to find ways to challenge that. So maybe it's throwing and catching a ball with a grandchild, or maybe it's, you know, doing dance moves where you're kind of on the dance floor with other people, and then you have to react to those other people. So thinking about how you can work on your balance. And we also want to maintain our muscle strength as we get older. And there's some research to suggest that resistance training when combined with impact training can help us maintain our bone density. So we want to do resistance training exercises. So these are exercises where we're working our muscles against resistance. And I usually suggest people start with a basic program that incorporates a squatting exercise, a hinging exercise, a pulling exercise, a pushing exercise, and then a pressing one. Um, and maybe like a carrying exercise. So we have to carry stuff all the time. So, you know, getting strong and carrying is, is good. And then for some people, adding impact exercises may also be appropriate. And that's things where we're, you know, doing jumping or hopping, even some types of dancing, although dancing tends to be a lower impact compared to, say, jumping. But only if that type of exercise is appropriate for your physical fitness level and for your fracture risk. And I'm just going to ask a quick follow-up question about balance, because I've heard people say all the time, I have really bad balance. I'm someone who isn't good with balance, but that's something you can get better at, correct? It is. So there are studies that show that people, when they recruit people who had falls in the past and they give them an exercise program targeting their strength and their balance, or even just their balance, those types of exercise programs do reduce falls. 
So they recruit like 300 people or 400 people and they give half of them the exercise program and the other half don't get the exercise program. And these are people who have had falls, so an at-risk population. And they find that the falls are lower in the group that got the exercise program compared to those that don't. So yes, you can improve your balance. And, you know, for the vast majority of people, it's probably a great first place to start is working on balance. Although I would argue most people should start with both balance training and resistance training. Excellent. And are there benefits to starting a dedicated exercise program for the first time at any age? Does it matter what age you are? Yeah, I wouldn't say that age is a reason to not start exercise. So everybody should be doing strength training. Everybody should be doing balance training, especially over the age of 50. And everyone should also be doing exercises for their heart health because you want to do exercises for other reasons than just fall and fracture prevention. Yeah, that's very true. I think that it's a good reminder that it's important for many, many different reasons. But a lot of people face barriers when they're starting out. Can we talk a little bit about what some of the barriers are and some advice you might have about overcoming those? I think that many people will say that they don't have time or they're not motivated or they don't know what to do. And so I think the biggest thing we can do is reflect on what our goals are and what types of exercise we want to do and what types of exercise we might enjoy starting with or that we think are reasonable. And then come up with a plan. So research shows that if you actually come up with a plan, write it down and have a contingency plan, you're much more likely to be successful. So lots of people will say, oh, uh, you know, I got to get back to exercising, but they don't really have a plan. But if they actually sit down and go, okay, the best time for me to exercise would probably be Monday, Wednesday mornings and Saturday afternoons. So they put it in their calendar and they know where they're going to exercise they know when they're going to exercise. They, they maybe know who they're going to exercise with if that's what they're doing. They put their shoes next to their bed or whatever they need to do. But coming up with these habits and written plans and structured plans, whether it's in a calendar or written somewhere, you're, you're much more likely to be successful. So that I think would be one. And I think the second thing would be to align your exercises with your goals and have a plan for progressing them. So I think exercise can get boring if you do the same thing all the time. So kind of think about, well, what do I want to get better at and, and come up with a plan? So if your plan is to get better at balance, you know, have a plan for what exercises I'm going to start with and maybe measure your balance in, in some way. And then you could measure it at times to see if you're getting better. So that would be the other thing is thinking about, does it align with your goals? So those two things I think would be good strategies. The other thing would be self-monitoring. Is there a way you can keep track of your progress? So do you use an app to do that or do you write it on a calendar? Do you tell people <laughs> about your progress, you know, like Fitbit and all that stuff? They're, they're sort of giving you that feedback of whether you're meeting your step goals. And you need to do the same thing with other types of exercise. So you need some sort of feedback to see that you're on track for getting there twice a week or whatever it is your goal is. So I think having some form of self-monitoring is important as well to keep you motivated. Really interesting. And so we'll talk a little bit about the osteoporosis side of things. So if a person has fractured due to osteoporosis and wants to start an exercise program, what should they consider before they begin? I think that everyone should exercise even if they've had a fracture. I do think that you have to allow yourself to recover from the fracture and you have to follow all of your doctor's advice when it comes to that recovery. Ideally, you have access to a physical therapist or someone who can help you with rehabilitation after that fracture. After a fracture, there might be some restrictions on movement, especially if you've had a spine fracture. So usually when someone's had a spine fracture, they're not supposed to do any heavy lifting or, or moderate to vigorous exertion. Um, and they might need to be a bit more careful as they resume their exercise program. 
But I would say that once, you know, your physical therapist or your physician has sort of cleared you to exercise, you follow the advice that they give you, but then you sort of resume physical activity as tolerated and slowly start to add in the balance exercises and some of the other types of exercise that we talked about. And for people who are trying to set up a program, is there someone they should be working with to make sure they do that safely? That's a great question. And it's a really challenging one to answer because, you know, I would say in an ideal world, our healthcare system would allow that everyone has access to an exercise physiologist or a registered kinesiologist or you know, a strength and conditioning coach that has training in osteoporosis, who knows what osteoporosis is and knows how to design exercise programs for people with osteoporosis or who are at risk of falls and fractures, and that they could kind of design a program and then see them intermittently to make sure they stay on track. So that would be the ideal. So it's if you are looking for advice, I would look for a person who is an exercise physiologist. So exercise physiologists are regulated by the Canadian Society for Exercise Physiology, a registered kinesiologist. A physical therapist, although physical therapists often see you for health problems, they don't often just do exercise prescription outside of that, but some of them might. But all of those people, you'd want to make sure that they have some training or knowledge on osteoporosis and how to prescribe exercise. So BoneFit is a workshop that Osteoporosis Canada developed to train exercise physiologists and kinesiologists and physical therapists on osteoporosis. So ideally, they have access to someone who's been BoneFit trained to design an exercise program for them. Now, caveats are one, that there's been more bone fit training in Ontario than in other provinces for a variety of logistical reasons and funding reasons. And then also, not everyone has access to exercise physiologists or physical therapists, so either they can't afford it or there aren't any in their area that can provide that type of information. So then you kind of have to teach yourself. So there's a bunch of ways to do that. So you can start with Osteoporosis Canada's website. There's some ideas on how to start an exercise program or the types of exercise that you need to do. There's no one exercise program for everyone. So the type of exercise program that I might design for a, you know, 60-year-old person who walks every day and is reasonably healthy and has never had a fracture would be very different than the one I would design for someone who's, say, 80 years old and falling and has had three vertebral fractures. So it's not like we could just put exercise programs or exercise videos on a website because the exercise really truly does need to be tailored to a person's ability, to their preferences, to their goals. But you could start looking online for good resources to teach you about exercise and about, you know, what types of exercise. So starting with Osteoporosis Canada's website and then, then learning the basics. I know Osteoporosis Canada is developing a booklet that will hopefully help people learn a little bit about the types of exercise they need to do and give them some ideas of where to look. But starting with, you know, a balance program. So there's um, the Otago exercise program is available online. I think um, there's a video online if you go on YouTube and, and search for that. That would be for people who maybe are falling and fearful of falling and, you know, need a very sort of basic level balance program. So it'd be probably really easy for some people who are already quite fit. But for people who are falling and have some problems with mobility, that would be a good program. People who need more challenge might need to start with, you know, just kind of Googling balance exercises and finding one that is not so difficult that they feel like they, they, they're definitely going to fall, but that they feel like they're a little bit unstable and have to work hard to maintain their balance. So even just trying to find some ideas. And then the same with resistance training. So you need to figure out the basics of how to do a squat or how to do a hinge exercise or, a, you know, a, a wall push up or counter push up or, uh, you know, floor push up if you're strong enough. A pulling exercise like a bent over supported dumbbell row or, you know, a, a lap pull like, or a band pull apart. Like there's those types of exercises. You can find them online and how to do them. And so it's just kind of learning how to do them by observing people or 
maybe taking a group class where they teach those exercises would be another option if that may be a bit more affordable. I think the thing we might need to be aware of is in starting an exercise program is you want to make sure that you're not doing something where you feel so unstable that you feel like you're going to fall. You don't want to fall. And then the other thing would be there are certain types of movements that you might need to modify exercises. So if you want to modify exercises, like people will say, oh, don't bend and twist. Well, you can't get through the day and put on your socks and do other things without bending or twisting. And you do want to move your spine because you need to maintain mobility of your spine. Not We shouldn't not move. But I think what's really important is understanding that there might be certain types of bending and twisting that we might want to modify or avoid. So, you know, bending to your end of range of motion or twisting to your end range of motion or bending and twisting while holding something heavy or bending or twisting rapidly or repetitively. So it's those types of movements we may need to modify. The other thing is just being mindful, right? So moving with mindfulness, with, you know, moving slowly and with mindfulness. It's often the like, I ran to get this and I tripped and fell, or, you know, I, I shoved this window really hard and twisted and hurt something. So it's, it's being a bit more mindful and, and getting help when you don't think you can do something. But I think that, you know, finding ways to learn about exercise and, and incorporate it into your life and just being mindful that these are the types of things you might need to change if you're at high risk of fracture. Yeah, those are really, really great suggestions. And especially like the fact that if you're someone who can't afford to join the fancy fitness club or the gym, that there are options and alternatives for that. So that's really, really helpful. How often should someone with osteoporosis be exercising? I think people often wonder, how much are we supposed to be doing? Yeah, our, you know, our national physical activity guidelines or our Canadian 24-hour movement guidelines are pretty consistent with what I would recommend for people with osteoporosis. So a minimum of resistance training twice a week. That means all the major muscle groups, you need to challenge them at least twice a week. So you can do that in a multitude of ways. You can do a full body program, you know, Tuesdays and Saturdays or whatever two days a week you want to do it. Or you can split it up and do upper body one day, lower body the next day. But then you have to train four days a week because you have to hit each muscle group twice, right? So there's lots of ways to do it as long as you're hitting each muscle group twice a week for resistance training. For balance training, you could probably do that every day because it's not something that is very taxing on the muscular system so much that you don't need the same kind of recovery that you do with resistance training, but a minimum of two or three times a week. And, and it doesn't mean long hours, just you know, doing a few balance exercises is plenty and you do them each day. And then our Canadian 24-hour movement guidelines recommend that the more physical activity we get, the better. So they recommend greater than or equal to 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity in a week. So that roughly translates to about 20 minutes a day. That's minimum. So you need to get 20 minutes a day where you, you feel like you're working, whether that's cycling or dancing or walking. But again, you feel like you're working. So not leisurely walking with your dog and stopping every three feet. This is getting your heart rate up, walking at a brisk pace, feeling like it's a little bit of work and doing activities that you enjoy. So this is where we're doing those things for our fun and for our fitness and, and keeping ourselves healthy. To prevent falls and fractures, we want to do the balance training. We want to do the strength training. And then some people, if they're concerned about bone mineral density, may want to add higher moderate to high impact exercises, which are those like jumping movements and that sort of thing that I talked about. But I would say that, you know, feel like work 20 minutes a day or more. Make sure that you're also doing some resistance training twice a week for your major muscle groups and then try to challenge your balance every day if you can, or at least two to three times a week. Super interesting. So if you're someone who hasn't been active in your life and now you're starting exercise later in life because you've developed osteoporosis or another health issue, are there any risks that you need to keep in mind when you're starting a program? 
That's a good question. I would say that you can talk to your doctor about it if you have concerns. Um, most people can start an exercise program without consulting a doctor unless they have a health condition that, you know, is known to be affected by exercise. So certainly if you have uncontrolled blood pressure or if you have diabetes that's not well controlled, you do need to talk to your doctor about getting those under control before you start an exercise program. But I would say that, you know, most people can start as long as they start with a lighter intensity and progress slowly. That would be the first thing I would say is don't start with the high intensity stuff. Um, you want to start with lighter intensities, err on the side of caution and slowly progress the uh, duration that you do an exercise or the volume of resistance training that you do and then start to progress the intensity. Some people, if they kind of jump into impact exercise or resistance training, might be at risk of injury if they work too hard too quickly. So, you know, tendinopathy is quite common in, as we age um, and a number of other you know, getting really sore with exercise, <laughs> you might not tolerate it as well. So with resistance training, we often teach people the movement patterns first, then we start to progress the intensity. So a good example would be if I was teaching someone a squat, I might watch how they squat and watch how they move and then give them some cues to kind of approximate the movement that I'm trying to get them to do. And so I'd get them to practice the movement pattern first. And once they've got that down pat, then I might make it more challenging. So I would say that that's the approach I would take is kind of get comfortable with the movement and how it feels and what you're doing first, then progress your intensity. So those are great examples and great suggestions. So if someone is starting a regular exercise program, they've got all that motivation the first few weeks, and then they're really struggling to keep at it. Do you have any suggestions to help people stay motivated? That's a great question. I think everyone has to figure out what motivates them. For some people, it's doing it with other people. So having a plan to do the exercise program with another person. I think it's often nice to have a target, like a short-term goal. So when you ask people what their goals are, they often say, well, I want to feel better. or I want to feel stronger. I want to lose weight. And I think breaking it down into short-term goals that are actually measurable is probably a good strategy because then you get motivated when you start seeing yourself getting towards that goal. So for example, you know, if you want to come up with a goal that is like, okay, I want to be able to do a push-up, right? So then you kind of get motivated. Okay, I'm going to work towards and oh, I see that I'm getting, now I'm going from a wall push-up to a counter push-up and now I'm getting closer to the floor or something like that. So maybe having a short-term goal that keeps you invested. So I know a lot of people in the running community will say, I want to be able to run a marathon. And then they sign up for it or they have a date that they're, you know, I'm going to do this marathon. You kind of have to stick to the plan because you don't want to, you know, not have done the work practicing running a little bit longer and a little bit longer when you get to marathon day. So you might have to come up with similar goals for your exercise program where you say, I want to be able to, you know, do this type of program. That would be one thing. Or maybe it's, you know, having a bet with someone that you're going to be able to, you know, achieve so many. Gamification has become a real thing, right? So this is where if you use like an app, you know, where you track what you're doing and then it sends you reminders or it gives you trophies or whatever it is when you've done it or you engage people socially on social media and you're reminding each other, that would be another thing. So but you got to find what works for you. That's so true. I know for myself, I didn't realize how motivating an online sticker could be. But when you get that little check mark in your app, it, it is strangely motivating to get that. So really good advice there. So as we wrap up this interview, I'd love to know, if, is there one sort of takeaway that you would like people to have or something that we haven't covered that you want to make sure you get into the conversation? 
I think it's really important for people to think about training for life. So we lose muscle with age and we lose, you know, balance and other things with age, but it's really hard to envision that loss. It's hard to envision yourself 10 or 20 years in the future not being able to get out of a chair or not being able to lift your groceries or it feels really hard to go upstairs if you can do it now. But these are the things that can happen if you don't train for life and train to maintain your strength and maintain your bone mass. And it's a lot harder to try to regain those things after you've lost them, especially with bone mass. So it's really important to start where you are. So if where you are right now is practicing getting in and out of a chair because you can't do it, then that's where you start. If where you are is, you know, starting with basic strength training movements and just learning how to do them, then that's where you start. But you start where you are, progressively increase the challenge over time, and you will get stronger and you will be able to do all the things that you want to do 10 or 20 years in the future. Wonderful. That was so great. And I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm Krista Lamb, and you've been listening to Unbreakable, the OC podcast from Osteoporosis Canada. Today, I've been speaking with Dr. Laura John Gregorio about starting an exercise habit. If you'd like more information on osteoporosis, visit our website at osteoporosis.ca. If you have questions or comments about this topic or about our podcast, reach out to us on our website or via social media. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoying the show? Hit subscribe in the podcast provider of your choice. Thanks for listening.